The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Do you or somebody you know hoard? You aren't alone. Hoarding affects millions of people throughout the world. You can do something about it and regain personal control. Welcome to Take Back Your Life When Your Things Are Taking Over with host Elaine Birchall. Reduce and relieve yourself from the shame and blame clutter causes in your life. You can do it and we'll show you how. Now here's your host, Elaine Birchall. And when you're ready, your own personal clutter coach, here to help you take back your life when your things are taking over. It's wonderful to have this opportunity to be with you every Wednesday from 10 till 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 till 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America's Variety Channel. Today we have a great show and it's titled When Hoarding Goes Wrong, The Do's and Don'ts. And to give us the very best information available is Mike Frampton, our guest. He'll be joining us shortly. Mike is an environmental remediation specialist, and he's the co-founder of Ontario Remediation Services. But first, I want to thank you for coming back and tuning in to today's show. Last week, we had triple-digit listeners from Canada, the U.S., United Kingdom, China, France, Poland, and Vietnam. And we had five times that many who tuned into On Demand. That's the pre-recorded show that gets logged on my host page. And it's great to have each and every one of you back. You know, it was a busy and exciting week for me this past week. I spoke with our next three guests next week, Dr. Gary Patronick, a veterinarian who specializes um, in research and treatment, of course, of a wide range of animals, but also is an expert, acclaimed expert on animal hoarding. And I mentioned last week that on the 26th, we're going to have David Byrne, Dr. David Burns, and on the 2nd of November, Dr. Jane Burka. Our topic next week is animal hoarding, all about animal hoarding, devotion or disease. Dr. Gary Patronick is that acclaimed doctor of veterinary medicine I mentioned a minute ago, and he is a founding member of HARC. That's H-A-R-C, in case any of you want to look up and know more about it. That stands for the Hoarding of Animal Research Consortium in Massachusetts. And Dr. Patronick is going to give us the very best quality information about animal needs and care. And he's also going to tell us about their physical and mental health, especially when our human needs result in hoarding of animals and what we can do about it. When I spoke with Dr. David Burns, 
the internationally acclaimed author and therapist. He said he was really looking forward to being there in two weeks with us. And if you don't know, he's the author of a book titled Feeling Good and the accompanying workbook, 10 Days to Self-Esteem. He also has a book about relationships, feeling good together. And he's really kindly to take kindly offered to take time out of his really busy schedule to be a guest on our show. We're going to talk about depression and anxiety and how to manage it in our lives. Finally, I spoke to Jane Burka. She said that she is absolutely delighted to offer her time to meet our listeners on November 2nd. Ms. Burka wrote a book that I told you uh, before has become my Bible on procrastination. Her book is called Procrastination, Why You Do It and What to Do About It Now. You might want to get those books. They're classics and they are a great tool to have while listening in on my show on the weeks that each of those people are guests. Please don't be shy. I want to hear from my listeners in Canada, the U.S., the United Kingdom, China, France, Poland, and Vietnam. Those were the countries that tuned in last week. And I also want to hear from all those people who return again and again to my website for help. 382 this week from Canada. 350 from places all over the United States, like just to to mention a few, Detroit. If you're out there in Detroit and you're wondering and you have a hoarding problem, or Alpharetta, Magnolia, Phoenix, Rockland, Santa Barbara, Franklin, Greenville, and what about you folks in Christchurch, New Zealand, Sydney, Australia, Hisar, India, Tel Aviv, Yafo, Israel, Viti in Finland, Germany, Dublin, Ireland, London, Flint, Douglas, and Londonary, Londonderry, UK, and Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. You know, listening is all well and good. It's, it is good. But tailor-made information for your concerns can be had if you reach me in real time by calling our worldwide toll-free number, one 866-472-5788 or emailing us at elaine.burchall at hoarding.ca. For our new listeners, let's do a very brief recap of some really essential information that it's important to remember before we delve deeper into hoarding disorder. Remember Do you remember the three criteria for something to be a hoarding situation? First criteria, there must be what most people would describe as an excessive accumulation and a failure to discard, I say proportionately, things, animals, or the combination. Now, proportionately does not mean one thing in and one thing out. Nothing that rigid. It does mean, though, that the person engaging in hoarding behavior has lost that sense of when things are starting to get out of control and out of proportion. 
Also, the activities of daily life, and you know what they are, folks, because remember, I posted an activities of daily living checklist on my website, hoarding.ca, under the radio show tab, and it's there for you to look at and familiarize yourself. So those activities of daily life start to become negatively affected because the spaces you're trying to use can't be used for their intended purpose. You know, things like you've got to move things off the stove before you can use it. You've got to clear off tables and flat surfaces because they've been covered by piles. You're starting to not be able to use both doors for entrance and exit purposes. Third criteria, distress, somebody's upset or concerned, or, or and impairment in functioning because of the condition of the property. Now, that distress is a really interesting criteria because it doesn't necessarily mean that there's active current distress. It also counts if someone would have cause to be concerned because of the condition of the property, if only they knew the truth about it. All right. And that means people like your landlord, your mortgage company, your insurance company, the fire department, public health, property standards, bylaw, children's services, animal control. Also, you can hear these days two terms used interchangeably, hoarding and cluttering. They're not actually interchangeable. They're not actually the same thing. People who clutter often can discard things more easily. And the amount of clutter doesn't interfere with their lives to the same extent. Here's the problem. Not everybody who clutters is going to go on to hoard. That's for sure. But do you know in more than 14 years of being a hoarding behavior and intervention specialist, every single person I've worked with, and that's Hundreds told me that they started out with clutter. So the big question in my mind is, is cluttering really a stage in the life cycle of what will go on to be a hoarding situation? It's really important to keep an eye on it, keep things in proportion, and don't let yourself get overwhelmed. Also, do you remember the three types of hoarding? You're going to hear different names used for them. You might hear it called common hoarding. I like to call it standard hoarding because it meets the standard for hoarding. The second type of hoarding behavior is commonly found among our senior population. It's not restricted to them, though. That's just usually when we find it. It's called Diogenes syndrome. We're going to have a whole show about senior mental and physical health and cover Diogenes at the same time. Next week, we're going to talk about that third type of hoarding behavior, animal hoarding. 
So for more detailed information on this, because this is just a recap, there's lots of more information previously recorded, go to my host page at voiceamerica.com variety channel. Then choose the Wednesday uh, day of the week on the week uh, bar and you'll find me in the 10 to 11 o'clock Pacific time slot. I also want to remember, uh, remind you rather, there are two essentials for any level of success. And that is we must help people get help for the underlying reasons that they hoard. And we also need to help people clean up the property because the condition of that property is a direct result of the fact that they haven't had the help they need for the reasons they hoard. What are some of the other um, challenges, mental and physical health challenges that go along with hoarding? They don't cause it, but they do make it more difficult to deal with and live with. Let me just read this list. Depression, anxiety, eating disorders, addictions, tics, Tourette's, autism, Asperger's, schizophrenia, dementia, social phobia, personality disorders, and social isolation. That's that getting isolated. Attention deficit, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, aging with mobility issues, traumatic life events, and biological factors. We know that individuals who hoard have some, have three chromosomes with markers in common. And we also know that 84% of hoarders have a first-degree family relative who hoards, a mother, a father, a sister, a brother. And if your default behavior that first place you go to under sufficient stress, and that can be negative stress or positive stress, is to do one of two things. Either fill the void and the anxiety that you feel by acquiring or saving things or stop processing the things of everyday life and shut down, become clutter blind as it were then you can be at higher risk for becoming isolated, overwhelmed, and ending up in a very severe hoarding situation. So the question I want to ask everyone, whether you think or believe you hoard or not, what would it take to overwhelm you? Because overwhelmed, okay, shuts down your executive function so that you can't uh, work efficient. They don't work efficiently or effectively. And the other thing that overwhelm does is you can't even keep your train of thought, which makes it impossible for you to make a plan and then follow the plan. How are you going to get out of the clutter if you can't make a plan and follow that plan? What makes us 
that that combination of overwhelmed and lost in the piles makes us increasingly overwhelmed and helps makes us feel self-defeated. And the next step is usually to stop having visitors over. When we stop having people over, we gradually stop accepting invitations as well. Because there's a there's a rule. The rule is social reciprocity. You invite me to your house and we do something, then I reciprocate and I invite you to my house and we do something. And that's how we build the connection that we we do as friends. When we stop accepting and reciprocating social invitations, we're on a downhill slide to being isolated. Isolated is a very bad place to be because then we're alone in our state of being overwhelmed and we just get more and more isolated and overwhelmed. We're going to go to our break in a minute or two. So this would be a good time for you to go and get some paper and a pen and take notes when Mike Frampton joins us in just a minute and starts telling us all the things that's going to be so important for us to know, whether it's our environment that we're concerned about or someone else's. You can find, and if you can also open up, www.hoarding.ca and go to the radio show tab, you can re-familiarize yourself with that activities of daily living checklist, right? And that checklist is named the same thing. So remember, if you start to fill the void that you feel or you see somebody else doing it by acquiring and saving things, so that's the way the person is soothing themselves, giving themselves that little jolt of joy, that little, that little pick-me-up, all right? Or you stop processing what's happening. You know, it could be empty food containers. It could be the newspaper. It could be the mail. It could be our clothing. It could be the laundry. It could be anything. And then it keeps building up around us. I believe that we can only afford to look at what we feel capable of dealing with. And so we shut down and we become clutter blind. Okay. And when we become clutter blind, sometimes we stay clutter blind for a long time before suddenly we wake up one day and go, when did this happen? So right after the break, Mike Frampton and I are going to tell you how hoarding goes wrong, how to identify it early, what you can and should do about it, when you should never try to fix it on your own. See you after the break, folks. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
the financial markets interest you, if you want to potentially earn a higher return, if you're not satisfied with your investment returns, or if you're only making 1% on your investments sitting in the bank. Do you see the stock market hitting record highs but feel you have no one to trust? Voice America's own Jordan Kimmel, the host of Magnet Investing for over seven years, is applying his strategies of magnet investing and is managing individual accounts. Jordan Kimmel has joined InvestView, the Red Bank, New Jersey investment education and asset management firm, and his team can help you. Contact Jordan and the team at InvestView at 732-380-7271 or by email at jkimmel at investview.com. If you would like a complimentary portfolio review or to speak to a representative, call us. Past performance of investments are not indicative of future results. Investing is inherently risky. All recommendations should be researched by the investor. Call InvestView at 732-380-7271. That's 732-380-7271. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com This is Take Back Your Life when your things are taking over. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you prefer, send an email to elaine.birchall at hoarding.ca. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. Um, we have Mike Frampton here from Ontario Remediation Services. I use Mike all the time when I have really, really extreme situations. There is no one who knows more about how to fix things and when it's not something that you should touch by yourself. Mike, thank you so much for giving us your time and agreeing to be part of our show today. Oh, thanks for having me. I know that you're you're still on a job and you're taking a break, so I really appreciate you making time. And I know that many people in our listening audience are really going to benefit from the information you bring here today. And so I really appreciate it on my, on my behalf and on theirs. Can you tell us what brought you to remediation work and how long you've done it? And what is um, remediation I- work? Uh, well, we're a biohazard cleaning company, um, mm-hmm. so mostly what we deal with is things like death scenes or police cleaning, um, you know, holding cells and cruisers and um, hoarding or, or mass disinfections. So if there's like an outbreak or, or something like that, we would we would go in and clean after that. Um, animal waste cleanup, uh, raccoon kind of cleanup. Um, mm-hmm. So anything kind of deemed hazardous or, or gross is kind of where, where we start and uh, yeah. That's kind of what we do, um, I, but we. I cut and pasted. I, I just wanted to say I cut and pasted your picture from LinkedIn um, yep. in your biohazard suit, and I thought I think that kind of speaks to the level of of problem that you're used to dealing with, that you know how to deal with. Yeah, so what I types like of situations a lot of do risk. you deal with? Yeah, sorry, sorry Mike. Go ahead. 
I interrupt. What type of situations do you deal with in your work? Um, so we're we're around a lot of infectious materials. So anything biological, you know, from people, um, I can potentially take home. Uh, so we're we're fairly heavily suited um, for all that kind of thing. And then things like mold and and you know diseases and and anything that can really make us you know long term or, or short term fairly very sick. So okay. um, yeah, so masks, gloves, suits. You know, we're there. We're pretty pretty decked out for most of the uh, the work that we do. So I had a question about, um, you know, the um, mask that you wear. Um, some mm-hmm. people wear wear the N95 mask, you know, the little white one that looks like yep. a medical mask with the little crimp at the, at the nose. But you've got a different kind of mask on. When do you need that kind? When would it be important for people, somebody in our listening audience, for instance, to know when they need that level of of mask, um, so N95 is kind of your basic um, uh, your basic protection mask. It's kind of as low as I, I would be comfortable using. Kind of your day to day stuff that we do is is when I'd use that. Um, the one that I'm wearing in that picture is a it's a full face uh, with P100 filters, and okay. so it's just a, a finer filter to to filter out things like mold spores and 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 because I'm in these situations every day, it, it, it's probably more for someone like me that, you know, I, I want to take as much precaution as I can only because it's every day. Um, but uh, N95s are fairly uh, accessible, uh, you know, Home mm-hmm. Depot and things like that all have them. Um, mm-hmm. And then you can also, I believe, buy a disposable P100, uh, you know, a higher rated one for... Uh, That's those you know, canisters? Are they the ones with the canisters? Right, so that that's a canister mask that I have, and you know you can get them without the the face shield and things like that, um, and and then you can get them with the you know the eye protection and full the yeah. full deal. So, so what kind of health and safety issues have you found in hoarding situations? Um, I I feel like if if you name it, we kind of see it. Um, I've done the hoarding jobs where you know there's large amounts of human waste and and things or. Um, you know, there's needles everywhere or, uh, you know, there's various animal or bug infestations or there's, you know, typically we find um, the mold or fire hazards or, um, yeah, I mean, you name it, we, we've probably seen it over the last, you know, eight, nine years that we've done this. Um, we're kind of picking up when things are very extreme. Uh, you know, there's there's charges in place or or fire marshal's going to be called or someone's being evicted or, you know, we're we're kind of that last line of you know, defense, I guess, before uh, right. before things go really south. Have you ever uh, been called into a hoarding situation where hoarding was the reason for a fatality? Uh, we've done a couple um, over the years. Uh, a few of them due to trip and fall, actually. Um, just Whoa. just sheer access um, around the, the unit. Uh, and the person was elderly and, and just wasn't able to, to get back up and get help. Um, okay. So that, that was s- kind of the one that stuck in my head the most um, out of the ones we've done. What have you seen in the way of infestations? I don't want to scare people, but I do want to lay out sort of what the continuum of risk is, right? So that yeah, people well, have a realistic idea. Yeah, um, because of, uh, I mean, the, usually the states of the house when we get there, um, you know, sometimes the roofs are missing on these places or, or there's, you know, holes and damage that is either unnoticed or, or not dealt with. 
um, and because there's there's so much contents inside the house, and whether that be rotting food or or just piles of stuff. Um, you're, you're creating a really, really awesome place for, for animals and bugs to live. Um, so the ones that we see, you know, more than not lately anyways, um, they've been things like uh, bed bugs. We've, we're getting a lot of bed bugs, um, and it's almost next to impossible to get rid of them uh, with that much stuff. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they, you need a fairly empty place to, to be able to treat them properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the one that I, I dislike the most. Uh, things like rats and mice, um, because again, you're, you've got the perfect living environment with food access, um, so they they can kind of hide in them pretty pretty decent. Um, and uh, you know, we have raccoons and fleas and other bugs, cockroaches, depending on where you are, and uh, and things like that. Um, they're I'm less I'm less worried about things like that. I mean, they're not not great to have in your house, but it's the it's the mice infestations and the, the bed bugs that we're seeing, you know, over and over and over again. And again, they're almost next to impossible to get rid of once they've right. kind of established home base inside your house. So with that much accumulation, yeah, can you yeah, tell absolutely. us if if I read a list, can you tell us what you would advise our listeners to do and not do? Um, these are the things that I have run into more in situations that are not sort of so extreme that right. I have to call in a remediate you uh, to do right. it. So cockroaches. Um, cockroaches, I mean, they're, they're not going to carry a ton of disease. Um, they're attracted to garbage and things like that. So um, they're, they're, all, they're hard. All this stuff's really hard to get rid of, uh, unfortunately. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I don't want to say, I don't want to worry about these things. I, I don't like that there's bugs or, or infestations and in any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can get fairly extreme because of how kind of resilient they are. Um, mm-hmm. so they're, you know, things like, do you like, spray, uh, if, do you spray to get rid of you cockroaches? Can, you can spray to get okay. rid of most of these bugs, but again, if they have access to kind of get away from that spray, like into a pile of something, it's not going to be as nearly as effective as, as people think that it will. So you, Okay. You know, a lot of the times sprays kind of hit the surface area of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there's 10 layers or two feet or 10 feet or however deep it is, you know, they, mm-hmm. they just kind of scurry back down there and, and get away from it. And, and that chemical can actually penetrate those piles as well as, uh, as, well as it so, could if it was empty, obviously. Um, so you need to clean and, up and bag things um, in, what would it be, in plastic bags? Um, yeah, so, so that you trap them in or you trap them out? Yeah, so things like um, bed bugs, cockroaches, fleas, ticks, lice, um, all that, all the bug ones. Um, right. One eliminating food uh, is huge. If you can, if you can get rid of, of containers that had food or have food in them. Um, I mean, a lot of times finding piles of rotting things. Um, right. So they they've had a lot of that's a lot of access. Mm-hmm. Um, for for the bugs and and a great food source, so they can just kind of keep. You multiply so, uh, if, eliminate if you don't food. eliminate that. Okay. Okay. Um, then if, what? If you can bag clothing, uh, that's another okay. big one, um, especially for bed bugs. Uh, you bag them, you tie them shut, you wash on hot, you dry on hot. Okay. What um, about and, mice? And can you that, tell- that should get rid of them. Okay. Can you um, tell us for- about mice and what the dangers of mice are? So, depending on the type of mouse, and that's obviously hard to 
tell without seeing it. Uh, a lot of these can carry, I mean, if you have a high accumulation of, of any animal droppings, but mice droppings, um, they can they can cause really poor breathing uh, breathing air. Uh, so it, mm-hmm. it creates a fairly toxic environment, again, depending on the severity of them. Um, but mm-hmm. if you're, you know, stirring up dust and, and things like that and, and the, the bacterial, you know, spores or whatever from the, from the feces are in, in that dust, um, or it is a pile of, of feces and that can, that can create really poor breathing, uh, breathing environment. So, you know, things like asthma or even just if you have a compromised immune system or even if you don't, um, you know, it, it creates, you know, the air you're breathing and living in, it's, it, it makes it not as clean and safe as, as it could and, and can cause, you know, long-term or short-term difficulties down the road. Do you know the name of the, um, of the uh, effect from my scout, scat rather? Because um, I know that one of the things that a lot of people I deal with who, you know, mice love to burrow and they love piles, right? So they're yep. one of they're the first or second thing to move in when the environment is hospitable. Um, sure. and, and the stuff also makes really good uh, nesting material as well. So you see the mouse cat and you think it's really innocent, but when it's dry and people are walking on it or there's movement on it and it, beca- you know, it, it almost becomes airborne and looks like Absolutely. dust. Yeah, yeah. And people think, well, no, that's just dust in the air, you know, yeah, because I, mean, I haven't been able to dust. And I say, no, it's not. You don't know what proportion of that what you think is dust is actually very toxic mice scat that will, it carries a virus, doesn't it? That will, doesn't get you today, but five years down the road is when you don't even make the connection. Um, you find that you've got a compromised respiratory system and you don't know what the reason was. You can't connect those two realities. Do you find that? And do you remember the name of that virus? Yeah, it's just escapes um, so me. Some mice can carry uh, something called hantavirus. Okay. Um, and and that's that's exactly what you're talking about. I mean, not every mouse does, but but you, you don't. But it's know one in five, which isn't ones it? Have it. It's mm-hmm. some, yeah, it's something like that. And I mean, you don't know which ones have it and which ones don't. Um, but I mean, any time you have an accumulation, whether it be human, raccoon, um, you know, mouse, rat, uh, any fecal bacteria. Um, or, or, or you know, build up a feces anywhere really is is it causes really poor breathing environments and and again, depending on what animal it is, depends on what you know diseases that it might carry. Um, and pigeon droppings too, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, pigeon uh, is actually quite dangerous. They um they they kind of link not link they kind of compare pigeon feces to to almost like an asbestos. Uh, oh wow. With the actual makeup of the, that's called um, histoplasmosis. Um, okay. And and the makeup of of pigeon feces is very dangerous. Um, and we actually don't encourage anybody, you know, if it's on your balcony or something. Like, the the worst thing you can do is sweep it up or or scrape it up and and create that dust because it, it can okay. it can actually stick inside your lungs and and make you very sick. Can and, you and send me the names of those of those um, viruses or yeah. uh, side effects, and I'll post them on my website. And then people, if they're interested, can look up specifically with the correct spelling. Yeah, I'll put it, yeah. There's I'll, okay. I'll put it in under pigeon. the radio show tab. Okay, so 
what are there any of these things? You talked about pigeon droppings. Don't touch them. What do you do about them then? Well, um, the best way to, I mean, the best thing to do is call someone like us, like a biohazard cleaning company to get rid of them for you. Um, okay. We have like HEPA filter, you know, vacuums and, 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 and proper chemicals. But, uh, you know, if, if you, it's a small amount or something like that, the, the best way to, to get rid of anything, you know, is, is to keep it wet. Um, okay. Cause that actually stops it from becoming airborne. All so right. if you have a, a small sprayer, even if you put a little bit of bleach in the water to kind of create, you know, a disinfectant of sorts, um, mm-hmm. and you can just kind of mist that on top. And then, you know, I would take like a, just like a dustpan and a paint scraper kind of thing and, and just up it goes, you know, but if you, if you were to scrape that dry, um, like you said, it, it's, it basically turns to dust and, and now you're, now you're just directly breathing it in. Um, so okay. I would put on, you know, a pair of gloves and a N95 mask and, and, um, keep it, you don't have to soak it, but it's good to keep it wet just to stop that dust from, from kicking up. Um, and you don't want to run it through things like a vacuum because what, unless that oh, vacuum has right. like a HEPA filter on it, those spores are so small that you can actually yeah. just kind of blow them back through the unit into the air. Um, so, so things like mold and stuff, you would never want to, you know, okay. vacuum up. Oh, heavens, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. Um, so, so are there any of these that you definitely don't touch yourself? Um, I mean, I don't suggest you touch any of this stuff. Um, anything oh, I don't mean with your hands. Would you wear gloves, mind. right? What, what yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, gloves always, would always, you wear? Um, I just use like a nitrile, like a medical nitrile glove. You know, the same ones, you know, paramedics and nurses and doctors and everybody use. Um, just because, okay. one, they're disposable. Um, yep. And they're, they're rated for you know, all the bloodborne stuff that I'm coming in contact with. So Nitro. I know you just peel okay. them off and throw them away. So, okay. Where would you get those? Um, you can get them anywhere. Uh, I obviously I buy mine from a, a special supplier, but, uh, you know, if you looked for a box of nitrile gloves, um, you, you can go to home Depot again, any of the, any of these places have them. Cause you know, people use them for painting and for doing various, you know, home improvement things. So they're fairly accessible. Um, it used to be, uh, you know, you used to be able to get those powdered ones and stuff, but a lot of people are allergic um, to the old style gloves. So now most of the stuff you'll find out there now is nitrile. Okay, so you wouldn't use things like dishwashing, you know, the yellow dishwashing gloves. It's I would prefer that, that over nothing. Right? Yeah, sure, but um, but when push comes to shove, would you? It's important that they're disposable, right? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like to clean up something that's potentially hazardous and then re reuse that thing again because you do have the potential, especially again if it's like a feces thing, you can you can you know, if it has like a salmonella or some kind of fecal bacteria on it, you know, it's gonna stay on that glove and then you could maybe pass it especially if it's dish gloves, you could pass it to your dishes or you could pass it to, you know, the next oh, thing you touch with uh, those gloves. Okay. Okay. Um, anything that I haven't asked you about? Cockroaches, bed bugs, mice, silverfish, rats, raccoons? Um, because we're going to talk about mold when we come back. Is there anything I should have asked you about those things that I haven't thought to, Mike? Um, I mean, the, the raccoon feces, they can carry some pretty, pretty scary things as well. So if you do have raccoons, that's definitely something that I would recommend getting sorted, you know, with a pest control company and a cleanup company okay. right away. Um, they can okay. do a lot of damage, not only to your wiring and to your structure of your house, um, but the feces that they, um, they have can carry things like raccoon roundworm. Um, and that's been linked to all sorts of awful, awful, you know, there's a lot of awful outcomes if you get that. 
Um, and okay. especially in the United States, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of rabies, and that Rab- is the perfect yes. way to transmit that. So yes. um, those are those would be the two things that I would worry the most uh, if there if you do have raccoons, get that uh, get them removed as as soon as you can. Okay, so we're going to take another break in just a minute, and we'll see you on the other side of the break, folks. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. This is Take Back Your Life when your things are taking over. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you prefer, send an email to elaine.birchall at hoarding.ca. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Mike Frampton of Ontario Remediation Services is with us. Mike is a professional remediation specialist, an environmental remediation specialist, and there's nothing he doesn't know about the problems we run into when our environment breaks down. And of course, living in a hoarding environment puts an extra stress on our environment. It's pretty hard to keep it safe and healthy. Um, So, Mike, we were talking about um, infestations of cockroaches, bed bugs, mice, silverfish, rats, raccoons. Um, and we have a lot of information for people to refer to, but we only have about 14 minutes left in the show. And I want to get on to molds. Mm-hmm. What can you tell us about molds? Um, so, uh, especially with our hoarding clients, um, we see a lot of different types of mold. Um, some related to things like food breaking down, so you have like that, you know, like the green fuzzy on the bread type mold. Um, right. And th- I mean, that's not a pleasant thing, but that's just kind of a process of the food breaking down, right? Um, right. But what we run into that, you know, that, you know, I'm going to wear a full suit, mask up, proper chemical spraying, things like that, um, are, are, are things like the black and kind of a gray or white molds that you get, um, 
and usually related to the piles. Um, sometimes people will notice this kind of thing as like a mold mildew in their bathroom. If you know, if you shower and don't have the proper paint on your walls or something, you'll see that black mold coming through. Okay. Um, it's the same kind of stuff, uh, but we run into it in in usually fairly large amounts, and it's it's not something you want to be breathing in, especially if you're living um, you know day to day in that environment. It's uh, it, it's quite hazardous to to people's health. Okay. So the black molds, the gray molds, the white molds, they're all in a special category, are they, of certainly not the same as the green mold that you see on food? Right. So that they, they would, the, the reason, usually it's like a black mold, but sometimes you might have a gray or a white or something, and you'll notice that they kind of they actually battle each other in the environment for kind of whoever's going to win. So you may, you may have black, but you may have this gray mold coming in that just happens to win over the black one. Both, all of those types of mold are, are, are super toxic. Okay. Um, and you would see them in uh, like your drywall uh, along your baseboards. Uh, you know, maybe in, if you're moving piles or if you move a large amount of pile, the reason being is that the piles of clothing and, and things like that, they hold a lot of moisture. Um, okay. So you're creating a perfect environment for these, for these molds to grow. And they just they can grow behind the drywall, so you may notice that there's like a hand size amount coming through. But when you pull that piece of wallboard down, it could be the full four by eight sheet or the full wall, depending on how much airflow behind that wall there is. Oh my goodness! Um, and then you, things like having your furnace running um, or your air conditioning running, you're, you're basically cycling that poor air through your living environment without even knowing mold- it. Yeah, and if you have those mold spores in in that environment already, you're you're basically just kind of cycling it through over and over and over again, and and you know your your filters and your furnace aren't going to catch that kind of uh, that kind of size of spore unless you have a you know a special crazy filter or something. But typically, okay. you, you, they they wouldn't. So, so you can see just a little, but it can actually be a whole, a whole large, much larger amount behind. Yeah, and what my are experience they, finding it is like typically what are they growing kind of on like. What are they? What are they? What causes them to to increase in size? What? How does that happen? So most spores um, kind of fire out um, their spores. So if you have a little colony of them, basically they launch these spores, and then that spore will land somewhere um, fairly close, usually, and then it grows and creates a colony, and then they launch out their spores, and it grows and creates a colony, and it just kind of spreads. And as long as there's a food source for them, um, usually simple sugars. So even things like drywall um, is a perfect, perfect food source for them. They they just break that, you know, paper, uh, clothing, um, you know, food and stuff as well. But uh, you know, more, you know, regular household products. If they're piled up and they're damp, and there's access for that mold to get there, um, it, it's going to just sit there and chew away at that. And that's plenty of food source for them. So. So um, when we're looking at uh, molds and we're looking at them, say somebody has a, um, a flood in the basement and things yep. get uh, wet um, and they don't notice it um, or it's so overwhelming that it's not the first thing they get to, tell me what people should do about that. So when you're dealing with kind of a, I call it structural mold, when you're dealing with like a house mold from, you know, a flood or, or, or moisture coming in through a broken window or whatever it is, um, if it's a small amount, it's something you can 
you know, spray and wipe away. You know, sometimes it'll, it'll build up on glass or something like that. And you can just spray and wipe that away with some, you know, warm water and bleach again just to kill that spore off. Um, okay. If it's, any, if it's anything, I would say, larger than a couple of inches, um, you know, and if you see that it's spreading along a baseboard or, or, or again, the whole wall could be rotted out, um, the worst thing you can do is disturb that um, unless you've got, you know, proper people dealing with it. Um, you know, when, we, when we go into things, like I do things like grow-ups, and because of the moisture in those houses, they the, everything molds up in there. Um, uh. And when we tear the walls down, not only are we spraying like an anti-fungal, anti-mold chemical um, that kills everything, um, we're also running um, really heavy-duty industrial air filtration. Uh, and we, we put a house uh. under what's uh. called negative pressure. Um, so okay. we're, we're basically, we plastic up everything and create a negative pressure environment and blow the, basically blow the bad air one through a filter and out. And then we're pulling clean outside air in uh, at the same time. So we, we have to actually create a, a different environment for uh, us to work in when we're, when we're pulling that kind of, uh, pulling that kind of thing down. Um, okay. There's plenty of mold companies out there that are great. Um, but they would do the same thing. They would have, you know, HEPA filters running and um, dehumidifiers running to bring the moisture levels down, especially if there's a flood. Um, you know, you, it doesn't look like a lot. Everything could be damp. But when mm-hmm. you run those dehumidifiers, you're pulling gallons and gallons of water out of the air. Um, okay. A couple liters a minute, you know, a, a, an hour kind of thing is those machines will run um, uh, out, of, out of the living environment. So... So when you that moisture when there, you, is the, the mold will be there. So, so if you get a, a scent of must, we have a, an email here. Um, we have two emails actually waiting. So, uh, one email is if you smell mustiness, does that mean yep. there's mold? It doesn't necessarily mean there's mold, but it definitely means there's moisture, um, which also means that there's the environment for mold. Um, okay. So, if it's not there, and that that musty smell, you know, like a musty basement smell. Right. Um, you know, that doesn't mean I have a moldy basement, but it does mean I have a damp basement. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have a huge amount of contents, uh, an easy fix for something like that would just be like a dehumidifier that you can get again at your you know, supply company in, in town, okay. uh, Home Depot or Lowe's or wherever, you, whatever you got. Um, but if you do have a lot of contents, especially with things like cardboard boxes, clothing, papers, um, all that holds, it's, they're like sponges. Um, right. And so to run a dehumidifier, you're not really going to dry that out. And, and those are the kind of materials that will uh, eventually mold up. It's just a matter okay. of having that mold spore introduced to that environment. And then it will just take off once it is. So it's a matter so, of time. Pretty much. Pretty much. You know, that, the spores can come in on your clothes even. You know, it, 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 if, if that isn't in the environment, then they're not going to grow out of nowhere. But okay. there's always some type of mold in our, you know, in our everyday okay today right. kind of thing so we have a listener ray who wants to know our service providers for instance you or a person cleaning the furnace are they required by law do you know to report hoarding um my understanding of that is it, i think it's area specific i know that it is well within not so much my my rights because there'd be no point in me going to work um, but a lot of these disaster restoration guys, plumbers, um, anybody that isn't wanting to work in that environment, I know that they're allowed to to kind of deny services and uh, and say, you know, we're feeling unsafe uh, in this environment, so we choose not to work here. Okay. Um, I'm not really sure 
again, depending on area, where you know the, the need to report hoarding comes from. Um, mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. that a lot of times, if there's animals in, or people in distress, uh, or or if you know family members or somebody feel neighbor feels that it's a, a dangerous environment for that person to be living in. Um, right. Uh, you know, we run into that all the time. People report that kind of thing all the time. Uh, right. By law, I'm not sure if there is a lot of report hoarding, but uh, you could you could chop it up to some kind of you know animal cruelty thing, or you could. You know, there could be a reason for it, for sure. Right, and know that, you know, if vulnerable populations like elderly, children, um, pets are uh, in a in an environment that you would be concerned to, to go in or you find it difficult to um, manage the work you need to do in there, um, that uh, the better thing to do is to call the fire department, um, public health, um, services for the elderly, uh, children's services, and let them decide. Let them do, let them do, and and you should do that, all right? Because sometimes that is the person's first opportunity to get the help they need because they are so shut down, so overwhelmed, um, and it's not a pleasant thing to do. What I do when I know of these situations is I say to the people when they call me or when I go in, if we ever get to this point and I describe it, then I want you to stand beside me while I make the call because I will make the call. And I want you to hear that nothing insulting or disparaging was said, that we're reporting facts here that need to be assessed because I'm a hoarding behavior and intervention specialist. I'm not a fire inspector. I'm not a bylaw or property standards inspector. I'm not responsible uh, under child, well, I am responsible as a social worker to report anything that is neglect or abuse of animals or children and the elderly, but I can't pretend to be a specialist in those fields. So we need to call the specialists in to do an assessment, to talk to you, and to offer you the best help that they can to remedy this situation. And I will stand beside you. Um, I will be there if you want me to during the inspection or during the meeting uh, because this is about getting you out of the situation, not punishment. So, Mike, just getting back to um, the safety issues. So, if somebody was dealing with some kind of mold, um, just tell me step by step, what are the tools that they should have that they absolutely need to have for good self-care before they start because they can't know like you do um, how dangerous the mold is you have to assume the worst I think yeah and I mean that was a smart approach too because usually it is worse than it appears so um, I would I would again I would suggest calling someone like us or somebody that does mold remediation disaster restoration company something like that um, and have them come in. It doesn't mean they're doing the work, but it, it means that they can give you a you know professional opinion. And say this is this is you know a little more serious than than you may think. Um, but if if you're not doing that, um, you know the respirator mask um, is is good because you you don't want to be breathing this stuff in, and it doesn't take a lot to get this 
this kind of thing airborne. Uh, eliminating mm-hmm. moisture in your house is huge. So if you can get those piles away from the walls and things, um, that's that's huge um, because you-, you need to kind of eliminate that food source and, and eliminate the environment that creates the mold in the first place. So, Do most companies provide free estimates? Um, we do. And uh, okay. I know a lot of companies like ours uh, will. Um, a lot of these okay. guys will come out and say, here's your situation, here's our game plan, here's what we think. Or okay. if they don't know, I would hope that they would be professional enough to say, you know, you know, I don't know, but I have somebody that does. Uh, okay. I know we've done some mold, you know, you can have mold testing done and things like that. Not not cheap, not where I am anyways, um, but so- sometimes needed to, to tell you that, you know, this is the amount that's allowable in breathable air, but here's where you're at, you know? Okay. Um, We're going to have to wrap up for today, Mike. There's so much I should get you back to talk about some of the other. Thank you so much. And I'm sorry we ran out of time, but there's so much to say. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you next week with Dr. Patronick and Animal Hoarding. Thank you for tuning in this week. Please join Elaine Birchall for another edition of Take Back Your Life when your things are taking over next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll help you declutter your home and your life again next week.